Hi, welcome to Golden Silver. I'm Teddy Silverman. And I'm Ollie Golden. Let's get right into it. Let's do this. All right. So we got a couple things on our list today. Um, our first thing we got is hockey, obviously, because we love it here. We love hockey here. We got baseball. Not a lot happening in football. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we do have a lot on March Madness. Oh, yes. We're going to go for that. March Madness is our final section today, but we're going to go really far deep into March Madness today. So stick around. It's going to be a great episode and keep listening. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's get right into it. I am very happy with what's been happening today. You from the last. Here's a, you were happy. I'm kind of happy. You go. <laughs> you were so I, of- I I had doubts because last time I was on, I was saying it's worried about the Islanders. They they haven't really shown that they can do anything on the road. They've really just beaten bad opponents. And I said they have three games coming up um, against the Flyers. The first one is tonight. And they, and they have to win at least two, one at home, one on the road. They should win three. They lost that one last night. They, that night. Mm-hmm. They were down 3 nothing. They came back to tie it. And then the Flyers scored as regulation was ending. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Two nights later, they destroyed them at home. Great, but, but they haven't shown anything. Then, two nights after that, in Philadelphia, they go in, down one nothing. They score a goal to tie it. Then... Win in overtime, first overtime win, and first road win against what I consider a real contender. Up until that point, they had beaten only the Rangers, the Devils, and the Sabres, bottom three of the division. Now, after the win in Philly and the win in Boston two days later, also in overtime, I should note, Mm -hmm. they're in a place where they've beaten almost every team in the division on the road. The only teams that they haven't are the Penguins and the Capitals, but all in due time. They have made great progress. It's only two wins, but Mm -hmm. to me, those are very big wins because those were contenders. Up until this point, I didn't know if they could be contenders. Now I do. So that, to me, is a very big deal because it shows that they can compete and maybe they can go far in the playoffs, maybe even win a cup. Craig Carton said in the next five years, it, unless the Nets or the Yankees win it, no New York team will win it. Uh, let's see about that. All right. So one thing I want to talk about is what's wrong with the New York Rangers? Because we have, I'm going to be honest, the New York, well, I'm looking at the scores from right now. Um, as of recording this episode, we lost to the Capitals five to four. And I watched the last couple minutes of the game. It looks like a great game. I was driving home, so I couldn't really see it, but if you go back, we beat the Capitals eight days earlier, three to one. And it's just, I think the problem is inconsistency. Because if you want to be a Stanley Cup content- contending team, you have to be consistent. Obviously. The Flyers also have off- to make the playoffs. Just or just gonna... or to make the top four in the division. Because I'm looking at the scores right now. On Saturday the 20th, Rangers won three to two against the Capitals. On Monday the 22nd, the Rangers won three to five against the Sabres. The eight to three game against the Flyers. The one to two game against the Flyers on the tw- that was the eight to three game was on the twenty fifth and the twenty seventh afterwards. Then yesterday, lose the Capitals five to four. It was they have the potential, but they're just trying to figure it out. 
They've got a lot of young guys and this is a young team. I said this last episode, and I'm going to say it again. This is a young team that needs to get their crap together and figure things out because I'm going to be honest. You've got the Washington Capitals who've got powerhouse names. Alex Ovechkin, like, let's be honest. You've got the, and Tom Wilson, Tom didn't, I think Tom Wilson got a hat trick or no, he scored two. He scored two. He didn't get a hat trick. That's a lie. And then the, like the Bruins too. I think that's where they're in the same predicament as the Rangers right now. Like they're inconsistent. That's, I think. what's Yes. But the Bruins are more successful. I, I I don't understand what's going on with the Rangers. Like yesterday Mm -hmm. people were talking about their comeback. They were down. They came back from down four, nothing. They almost came back from down four nothing in the third period to lose the game four five. Well, I'm sorry, but whose fault is it that you were down four nothing? You gave them four goals yeah. and you couldn't score anything. Like I think Keith Kincaid started, and yeah. he like he proved he can do. Like remember that nine zero game? He proved that he could shut out the Flyers. And yes. the Capitals are a more talented team than the Flyers. I will give them. I will give the Capitals that. Keith and Kate has proved he can get a shutout. And then now he's just a couple, what he proved a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, the question is, what's the fluke? The four goals or the no goals? You you have to see what is what he can do or what's just a, like a crazy night that's not going to happen again. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I, I, I don't understand what's going through their mind. I always hear this, they're rebuilding, they're rebuilding in a couple of years. I have a few problems with that. Mm-hmm. First of all, it sounds like an excuse. They've been rebuilding since 2017. I've always been hearing two years from now, they're going to be in that place. Two years from now, they're going to be in that place. And then they signed Artemi Panarin to a seven-year deal, no trade clause. Like, what is going on? You want to make it so you have somebody that'll make your team good enough that you can get a bad pick, but bad enough that, that you can't make the playoffs. And then you'll have chunk of your salary out the window when you are a contender because your players are developing and you can't sign somebody big. So you're spending money on this guy. He's getting you worse picks. So then worse prospects. And you have less money to spend on a free agent when you can actually use it towards something. I just don't understand what they're doing. Honestly, I can see in five years, they're still going to be rebuilding. I I just don't think they're there. Mm -hmm. The front office doesn't know what they're doing. The coach doesn't know what he's doing. You know what it took to get them? For two weeks because he got COVID. Exactly. And then you know what happened? The first game out out for two weeks with the minor league coach, they won nine nothing. What yeah. does that say about the coach? Their best game, he wasn't coaching. They need to fire him. They need to get yeah. rid of the front office. I'm the, no one's, literally, I've said fire David Quinn so many times. And everyone's like, why? He's he's good for the team. I'm like, he's not good for the team. Most importantly, they need to get rid of the front office. And whoever, especially whoever thought it was a good idea to sign Artemi Panarin when they're quote unquote rebuilding. You're just oh, messing another, up the future. Another thing I want to touch on. I saw something about Alexis Lafreniere only getting four minutes of ice time yesterday. The number one pick in the 2020 NHL draft getting four minutes of ice time. Also number one bust in the NHL, but. Yeah, but that's like, come on. I mean, I know that's, it's not, the Rangers didn't, the Rangers got lucky with that first pick because obviously that was a lottery pick that they were, that that was a lottery pick, obviously. But I feel like if they are going to get the top prospect in the league of that year, you have to use that to your advantage and use that because he's a good player. And again, I just, I like, I don't understand what's going through their minds. And actually I kind of do, they're not treating it like a team. They're treating it like a business. Their goal isn't to win. Their goal is to sell tickets. That's why they signed Ar- Artemi Panarin. Let's be real. Yeah. They weren't looking for the, for the best interest of the team. They were looking for the best interest of their wallets. They thought, Hey, this guy will draw fans in attendance. If you're going to rebuild, 
and, and you're going to say you're going to rebuild, actually rebuild and be mm-hmm. willing to not be as successful and to not make as much money these years. So then in a few years, you, you can be successful and you can win and you can make money. Yeah. That's my problem with this team. They're not looking out for the team. They're like, we need to make as much money as we can this year. And we need to make as much money as we can every year. You're not pl- building for the future. You're just like building as much as you can now to like have forever mediocrity. 100%. And then another thing I want to touch on is people are not looking. I have Adam Fox stats pulled up right here. And people are not paying attention to Adam Fox and not considering one of the top defensemen in the league. Because he is. I'm like, he should be considered one of the top defensemen in the league. I'm looking at his stats right now. Um, 2021 season, three goals, 26 assists, 29 points. Career, 11 goals, 66, 71 points. I don't, people are, I mean, I've, the number one defenseman in the league is Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman's an amazing player. No hate to Victor Hedman. He's a great player, but people are overlooking Adam Fox and he's a good player. When you, when you put him on, he is getting all those assists. He's going, I saw, remember, did you see the highlight where he was in the, he went into the goal and saved it because I don't know who was in goal at that time. Was empty net. It was, it was an empty netter, I think. Yeah, it was an empty netter. He became the goalie. Yes, and, and he's good, but I'll tell you why people aren't thinking of him. Here, here's what I picked up as the top five. Number one, Victor Hedman. Number two, Roman Yossi. Number three, John Carlson. Number four, Alex Petrangelo. Number five, Seth Jones. These are all defensemen on top teams. The reason uh, that's, why... That's it, Exactly. Victor Hemmons on the Tampa Bay Lightning. What they do, they won the cup last year. Exactly. The, the reason why he's not getting attention is because the Rangers aren't getting attention because they're not winning. Oh, yeah, exactly. They, they don't think he's a top defenseman because he can't carry his team on his back. Mm-hmm. And he and he can't deliver for them. I'm sure if they traded him to, say, to make a the Florida hit. Panthers, yeah. all, all of a sudden this guy's amazing. Where where did this where guy was come he? from? Where'd he go? Where was he from? He's from the New York Rangers. No one looked at him because the Rangers weren't winning and the Rangers weren't making headlines. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Adam Fox is a great defenseman, but his team is not delivering because they're not winning. And also, yeah. um, let's talk about the Islanders at home. They've been doing well, and I'm very impressed with their record. It was a shame when the first time the fans came in that they lost mm-hmm. a game, and, and that was their only loss of the season in regulation so far. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. They came back. They won the next game. Right now, they're 13-1-2 on the season at home. That mm-hmm. is um, that's the best league at record in the league at home. Uh-huh. Again, they just need to get that stuff on the road so far. The, re- the reason why they're u- good at playing at home is because they're used to the ice. They like staying in their beds. They like going to the game and then they know what to do. They're used to everything. Yeah. There's nothing to adjust to. They're used to playing there. It's their home. Mm-hmm. And that's it's like, why it's like coming back home ice. after a vacation, coming back to your bed because you like your bed. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's home ice. It's comfortable. They're used to it. They're, there's no surprises. They, they don't have to adjust to anything. And that is why they're doing so well on the road. Now I see they're improving. I think they're adapting to playing different places. And I do think part of that is because now they've played in every road location that they're going to play at on the season. So when they go somewhere, they're like, oh, I'm used to this. I've played here. I know what to do. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let this rattle me because I've played here two weeks ago. So I, so I know what to do. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm very impressed about that. They need to keep doing what they're doing as long as they can have like um, mediocre to good, road record and their home record stays 
stellar, they're going to be in a great place because it's like it's very hard to win at Nassau Coliseum. And then when they play on the road, they're they're going to give you a good game and they can easily beat you. Mm-hmm. That is how you win Stanley Cups. You well, you're consistent at home and away. Yes, it shouldn't bother now, you. You just yeah. have to go in and win. The team with the the team that's the most consistent will win the cup. Plain and simple. Yes. And goaltending is a big thing with the cup, yes. which is a good thing about the Islanders. Despite their bad goaltending in the last game, <laughs> Sorokin, who gave up four goals on nine attempts, just embarrassing. Now Semyon Valarmov came in and he did pretty well. He only gave up one goal, which for that night was actually pretty good. The Islanders scored three goals in the third period. Mm-hmm. Strike that. Two goals in the third period. Three goals in the game, which I was still impressed about. That that was nice. But that goaltending was bad, and they lost. Yeah. Normally, the goaltending is amazing, whether you have Rolamov in the pipes. He's been doing eh, recently, but he's going to get back to it, especially when the games are extremely important. Mm-hmm. It's good to have reliable goaltending. Yeah, it. I agree, because the Rangers, um, Igor Shesterkin was out for a while, due to, and he was on injury reserve. So then it was it swapped back between Alexander Georgiev and Keith Kincaid. And both of them... Meh, because yeah. obviously Keith Kincaid proved he can goaltend during that 9-0 against the Flyers. And obviously Alexander Georgiev proved he can goaltend. Even though both of these goalies have let in goals, I feel like they're they're not perfect. They're not perfect. No goalies. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. No goalie is perfect. That's true. Mm-hmm. And of course they can goaltend. I mean, they wouldn't be on an NHL roster if they couldn't course, goaltend. Yeah. So the question is, what are they going to do? Will they score? Will they let in goals on mm-hmm. most appearances and give up like three goals a game on average or four goals a game? Or are they going to be that great goalie who just needed to get into um, some sort of routine yeah. and is now going to give up zero to one goals a game, Yeah, maybe two, three on a terrible night? Like, mm-hmm. you need to know what their routine is. What are you going to get from them on the average night? Because they're always going to be a bad night where they give them four goals. Or there's yeah. always going to be a great night where they sh- let in shut zero out, goals. Or else, because if they weren't capable of it, they wouldn't be there. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, this is good. Now, moving on to baseball. <laughs> in baseball news nothing because it's spring training and spring training doesn't count but opening day is in a couple of weeks and we are very excited over here at Golden Actually, it's, it's in a couple of days it's april 1st and oh, now shoot yeah so it's happening soon it's and happening spring training even though it doesn't count it shows a team's ability to work well together win or lose and blah 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 but the mets they're winning and losing. Their record is completely even right now at 11 and 11. I think they have a couple ties, but most, but yeah. it's 11 and 11. And one thing I've been noticing is that when the Mets win, it's a big win. They won against the Marlins a couple of days ago, eight to two. Big win for the Mets. But when they lose, it's a pretty big loss. <laughs> like it's a big loss. So that's the one thing I'm like, why? You proved you can win big, but why are you losing big? You should be losing tight. If you are winning big, care to comment? Um, yeah, I, I I think their record it's eight and three at home and three and eight on the road. It just 
Like they're it's they're a 50, playing it's a fifty fifty record. Really, since they've played a real baseball season, it's been two that it's been like two years because two thousand twenty they played baseball some, but some people didn't. Like it wasn't a real season. There were no fans, yeah. nothing. They they're just adjusting. And again, I'm I cannot stress this enough. This season, the record it doesn't really matter because. Mm-hmm. Like, take, for example, the 2017 Browns. They went 0-16 in the regular season, got the number one overall pick. Just, like, not a good season. Terrible. Mm -hmm. The 2017 Browns. But if you look at their record in the preseason, wait for it. Like, can you believe this? You're not going to believe it. They were 4-0. They didn't lose a single preseason game, Mm -hmm. including a 25-0 win at Soldier Field. So it just means – the record means nothing because – it's one thing to like be playing some baseball in Florida and be doing this and that when you're like traveling 20 minutes, but it's a whole nother thing when you go up to New York and you're going to Boston and you're going to Colorado and you have to go all over the place and you're playing with your real roster, full team. And it's not like half the team is in Port St. Lucie. Half the team is in Jupiter. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to be in the same location. One team, only the top players, no minor leaguers. So it's, it's a different experience. Something that I do think is important to note is the way certain people are playing because Uh that can be important. Like Francisco Lindor, for example. Okay, so Francisco Lindor, for example, who was in a big trade with Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco that I talked about last time. Yes. He has high expectations. People have high expectations for him because Mm -hmm. he's been atop the league and he is a big deal. And so what's happening is you see him playing. So you see what's going on and people have high expectations for him because this was a big trade, a blockbuster deal. They had a blockbuster deal a few years ago that did not pan out. Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, they they were okay. Yeah, but they gave up like two great prospects for Mm -hmm. that. And then what they got in return wasn't even that great. So this is a big deal. A lot is riding on this. They need this to go well. And so far, Francisco Lindor, he's been playing well. I hope it holds up. I agree, yeah. Um, his batting average has been 370. Mm-hmm. 370. That is, like, that's pretty high. And yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll keep that up in, reg- in uh, regulation. Yeah. That would be a great thing yeah. for the Mets to have. Yeah, then they can be a serious contender, and they can make uh-huh. the playoffs. Another thing is I hope they can get him to a contract extension because I'm, I'm not sure what really went on, but there was like a whole thing this year in Major League Baseball, so they could only sign him to a one-year deal. So they need to get that contract extension. A hundred percent, yeah, they need that extension because if like the way he's performing right now at spring training, and if he does this in regulation, the Mets need him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so like I just – I don't like the idea of free agency. First of all, he's going to want more money. So second of all, you might not get him. And so what happens is, like, let's say the Mets don't do well. Let's say he does well, but the pitching is awful, and they lose, like, most of their games. They go, like, 70 and 90, Mm -hmm. 71 and 91 for that matter. Yeah. So then he's not going to want to stay because he wants to play on a winning team. Yeah. It's, like, basically what he said. He -hmm. didn't say he was going to leave, but he did say he wants to play for a winner. So they need to get that contract extension in. And I said that they were – and I saw that they were talking about it. He said he's he's not talking during the season, so they need to get that before opening day. Let's see if they can. Maybe we'll hear some big news. Yeah, hopefully. And if he's going to stay on a winning team, it's just simple. The simple fact is that the Mets need to win. And um, let's hope he can keep it up because that will be crucial. They have great pitchers in the Grom, two-time Cy Young winner, three-time Cy Young finalist, 
back back to back to back. Mm -hmm. So that would be huge if the Mets could have him as a huge asset to the batting lineup because you have Alonzo, who's a big home run hitter. You you have DeGrom, who's consistently pitching. And then you have these pitchers, a full lineup of pitchers who have been great in the past. And let's see if they can bring back to where they were. Mm-hmm. That is a big so key. It's so, a year for the Mets if they deliver. Yes. So let's hope they can get that. Yes. Wow, this is probably the most important topic we're going to talk about now. March Madness. Yes. Okay, let's start with what Holy everybody's thinking about. Let's think about... Let's start by talking about what everybody has been thinking about. Oral Roberts, oh my God. I would like to point out that last time I was on, I said Mm -hmm. a 15 seed has not won since 2016. A 15 seed, I I feel like they're going to win this time, this tournament. However, I said, if and I think if any coach is able to do that, it's Rick Pitino. I was wrong. My problem was I was predicting an upset, which is ridiculous. You can't predict who's going to upset, upset you somebody. Can't predict a, you can't predict an upset. like Because that pre- defeats the purpose of an upset. It's not yeah. an upset if if you can predict it. Mm-hmm. So Oral Roberts was the perfect team to upset Ohio State. Ohio State, I did think that they were a little bit overrated. I had them losing the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts had other plans. Mm-hmm. So and then Oral Roberts to their people were disrespecting them in the next round. They were like, no chance. They like gave Florida a 95% chance of winning the game or something. And I was like, I mean, they just beat Ohio State. This is a seven. They just they beat, can win beat Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't say not necessarily that Oral Roberts was going to win, mm-hmm. but I was like, this is gonna be a good game. Maybe they can win. What do you know? They came out with it. And then you got to the Arkansas game. I was like, again like seven percent chance of winning the game yeah this Arkansas team they're not that good Mm -hmm. so I was like let's see maybe they can win the game it's 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 gonna be close Mm -hmm. our Arkansas is a three seed though or Roberts is definitely underrated they'll cover the spread and Mm -hmm. so then you got to that point there was that shot or Roberts blew it I mean they had the lead they were up 12 yeah they were up really high going into the half right They, they they had these points nonetheless they, they were in the game at all times, and then it got to the end of the game. They had that shot. Mm-hmm. I swear, I, I saw that go up. I was like, that's going in, this going in. And then I was just like, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So they lost. Now, another important thing, Bama versus UCLA. That I was, not- I saw, I think I saw the, just the end of that game. That was crazy. Yeah. And I saw it so on, like, and I saw it all over social media. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, that was crazy. So uh-huh. first... They're up 11 at the half. I'm like, yes, UCLA is going to beat Alabama. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want Alabama to win. So then I, I checked the score again. There's like 17 minutes to go in the second half. At the ha- at halftime, UCLA was up 40 to 29. Then it's 40-40. I'm like, they, they got outscored 11 nothing so far in the second half. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. UCLA is going to get destroyed. They stuck with it. They took the lead. It was a back and forth, back and forth. You get to the end of the game. UCLA's up one. Alabama has two free throws. I'm like, okay, Alabama's going to take the lead. Then UCLA's going to do this because this guy was like a 78% free throw shooter. He missed both free throws. Alabama was terrible in that game from behind the line. That's a loss in the game. They were less than 50%. They missed 14 free throws or something. 14 points that lost them the game. They would have won by like 14 and the game wouldn't have gone to overtime. That was a key. So he misses both free throws. UCLA gets the rebound. There's like five seconds to go. And they get fouled. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they 
They got to win the game. So they're up. They make both free throws. Then they're up three. And I'm like, okay, this is it. Alabama's going to shoot something up. UCLA's going to foul them before they can shoot. Two free throws. UCLA gets the ball back and they win the game. UCLA doesn't foul. More old school. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they go up for the three. And the guy, it wasn't like a half court shot or anything, but he had so much room. I was like, what are you doing? You have to play defense. What are you worried? You're going to get called for a foul. You have to play the game. Guy had so much open room. He took a shot. I'm like, that's going in. They're going to tie it. The game's going to go to overtime. I mean, of course, that all happened in the span of a second. Mm-hmm. Game goes to overtime. I'm like, can UCLA win this? Props to them. They stuck with it. They endured. They played through the overtime. Alabama just couldn't do that, which UCLA could do. They were tired. Crazy. And they won the game by like 10, mm-hmm. 88 to 78. Very impressive. Yeah. Props to them. It all, it all circles back to endurance. That's yes. the thing. You got to be able to endure anything in this tournament. This is a crazy tournament that takes twists and turns. A 15 seed made the sweet, made the sweet, sweet 16. They, yeah. they proved they can endure. That's the thing. UCLA second team ever to make it from the first four to the mm-hmm. elite eight. The, the first team ever was VCU 2011 and they made the final four. So let's see what happens. I'm very excited mm-hmm. to see how this progresses. Yeah. Now let's predict these games, let's four games over the next two days, mm-hmm. starting tonight. The first game is going to be Oregon state versus Houston. Mm. Very interesting. I thought Houston was like very overrated. Yes. Especially after that narrow win over Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Then they played very well against Syracuse and that zone, which I was very surprised about. So props to them. I'd like to see how they're going to play tonight. That is key in this matchup. I think people would are going to be talking about, like, how is Oregon State going to play? That's the key. Houston is the key. Mm-hmm. How will they play? Is this going to be the team that, that should have lost to Rutgers or the team that handily beat Syracuse and Jim Beheim's zone? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Now, on the other hand, Oregon State, not only have they run the table so far in the NCAA tournament to get to this point, they mm-hmm. ran the table to make it into the tournament by winning the Pac-12 tournament yeah. with wins over UCLA, Oregon State, mm-hmm. ranked Col- and ranked Colorado to make, it to, the na- to make it to the NCAA tournament. Yes. So then, like everybody else, I underestimated them. They beat Tennessee. They beat mm-hmm. Oklahoma State against Loyola Chicago. I picked them. I'm like, this team is better. They mm-hmm. beat them. Almost 20 points. They beat them by seven. No, seven points. Forgive me. Seven points. But still a good win. And they've been winning all these games handily in the NCAA tournament. It was closer in the Pac-12, but that shows that they can play these games and they can play hard and they can win. Props to them for their win over Oregon. The last game of the regular season, they lost to Oregon at home by 13. Then they go into the Pac-12 tournament and they beat Oregon by 10, mm-hmm. 11, but you know. Yeah. So that's very impressive to me. I think Oregon State definitely can win this game. Mm-hmm. Again, they're being disrespected. ESPN gives them an 8% chance to win this game. Yeah. Houston can definitely win this game. They have the talent. It depends on how they play. Mm-hmm. But the point spread is eight points. Oregon is going to cover. Oregon State, I predict, will cover the spread. Mm-hmm. They'll play it close. Maybe they'll win. Maybe they'll lose, but they're going to cover the spread. Yeah. That's how I'm predicting that they're going to cover the spread against Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, Baylor, they're predicted to win by 7.5 against Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah, I see that. they don't really, I mean, they this beat. This looks like it's going to be a good game. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. 
It does. I think Arkansas, though, I don't think they've been playing all that well. Like, I mean, if you look at the teams that they played recently since their loss to LSU in the SEC tournament, they, they played Colgate. Fine, they pulled away at the end of the game. Texas Tech, they should have lost that game. Mm-hmm. If Mac McClung shoots his free throws, they lose that game. So yeah. that so they didn't win that game. Texas Tech lost that game. Mm-hmm. Oral Roberts, very close game, a 15 seed. So Baylor, I think that's just a whole other league that they are not going to be able to be used to. Baylor has 7.5. I predict Baylor covers the spread. Baylor wins the game. I think they're going to cover the spread too. I think they're going to win by like 10, 12, yeah. something. I agree. It's going to be a good game, but I think Baylor's going to be able to pull away at the end. Yeah, I agree. Now tomorrow's games. Let's start with the game at 7.15. Gonzaga versus USC. Okay. I believe that USC, especially after there's two wins in this, there are two huge wins in this tournament over Kansas and Oregon, they're getting disrespected. They have a 19.7% chance to beat Gonzaga, according to, uh, like this, I I completely disagree with this. They're definitely going to, I think they have a very good chance to win this game. I agree. Yeah. Underdogs, they pull out. This would be a huge, huge upset for Gonzaga. And this would be a huge, huge win for USC. And USC would would be eliminating the number one seed in the entire tournament. Yeah. I, I remember watching like a week ago the, the game Gonzaga against Oklahoma. Oklahoma was playing pretty well. They were able to shut down Kispert and Suggs for the most part, but Drew Timmy was destroying them because mm-hmm. the team is just smaller than him. Yeah. Now you have Evan Mobley on USC who is seven feet tall. He will yes. be able to block Timmy. He oh, is hell yeah. Free. Yeah, he's he is, I think he's underrated because I hadn't really heard about him mm-hmm. till the end of the season. So this guy, I, I don't know, he's very talented and I think he can play defense on Timmy and I think they can play very well in this game. Gonzaga is a nine-point favorite. USC is going to cover the spread. USC can win this game. Also, Gonzaga's undefeated. They're going to be frazzled if they're down late. They're not going to know what to do. USC has a bunch of losses, so they yeah. know how to play. They're not going to be frazzled. They know what these situations are like. Uh, I don't know. I got USC, honestly. Even my my bracket says Gonzaga, but I'm going USC. Yeah, I'm I'm going with USC as well. I think they just have the talent. positions. You you see the games they've played recently. Just last night, they beat Oregon by 14, but they were up by like as much as, I I think they were up, yeah, they they were up as much as 20 at, at one point. They're a very strong team. I thought Oregon had a chance to win this game. I was wrong. But even more importantly, the game before this, they destroyed Kansas. I thought Kansas was a very good team. They beat them by 34. So, yeah, I think this is a great game. I think USC can win the game. They're, they're going to cover the spread, mark my words. Mm-hmm. I now, agree. the last game, U- UCLA versus Michigan. So, UCLA versus Michigan, this is good. I, th- I think it's going to be a good game. Michigan played very well against Florida State, in all honesty. Yeah. I thought Florida State was going to win that game. Michigan mm-hmm. played them very well. I, I didn't know they could do that without Isaiah Livers. So, again, it, like Houston, it depends on how they play. Are they going to be the team that we're losing to LSU for most of the game? Mm-hmm. Or are, are they going to be the team that played FSU and beat them by, like, 20? So that is an important thing to see. And um, the spread, Michigan is supposed to win by seven. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think UCLA is going to cover the spread. Uh 
I, I think it's going to be a very, very good game because UCLA, they're playing very well. They have resilience. We've seen that they can play. Yeah, I think we've seen good, that they, that's going to be an amazing. We see they have endurance. In my opinion, that's going to be a very good game. I agree. But I do think that Michigan is not going to cover the spread mm-hmm. because I was surprised about Florida State. I might be wrong. I could see I, – I, I could very easily be wrong because if Michigan plays – exactly the same way they played against Florida State. I can see them beating UCLA by 20. But yeah. I do think UCLA has all this resilience. Every Pac-12 team that's still in it right now, they're, they're gelling. Everything is going right for them. Mm-hmm. So I could see UCLA winning that game and going to the Final Four. I could also see Michigan winning that game by 20. There's a lot to see. My prediction is that UCLA will cover the spread. I agree, yeah. I mean, we've seen UCLA can deliver, and I think they are going to deliver because this is a big game for them, and they know that, and they're going to work hard, and they're going to prove themselves. Yeah. So, should we go to our Final Four predictions? I think so. Okay. So, bear in mind, I am not good at this. Me too. We're, we suck. <laughs> this is what my gut is telling me. And from what I've seen so far in the tournament, I might be right about this. I've predicted a few things correctly. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I, I think Oregon State's going to beat Houston. Hmm. So Oregon State, I have making the Final Four. Baylor, I have them making the Final Four. Yeah. Next I thing. Ha- mm-hmm. USC, I have them making the Final Four. I have Gonzaga Last making. Three. Even in my, in my bracket, I have Gonzaga making the Final Four. But now that I'm like hearing all this and connecting the dots with um, USC and Gonzaga, I honestly think USC could make the Final Four if they work for it. This game, then the last game, this game I think is going to be the closest game it's going to be UCLA versus Michigan and Houston versus Oregon State. But I think overall UCLA versus Michigan is going to be the closest game. But I have to go with UCLA winning that game, going to the Final Four. The Pac-12 has just been playing amazingly. I think mm-hmm. those three teams are going to make the Final Four. I mean, Bill Walton predicted that a lot of Pac-12 teams are going to make the Final Four. I, I think he's right. I mean, you look at this. The maximum teams that could have made the Elite Eight made the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. given the Sweet 16. And most importantly to me, UCLA's top scorer, Johnny Juzang, transferred from Kentucky. His dad's one of the coaches on that staff. He fouled out towards the end of the game. Yeah. Alabama hit that three. The game goes to overtime. Tie game, clean slate, five minutes ago. UCLA wins the game by 10 against Alabama, which I thought they, they were a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. A two seed. So, yeah, I, I, I got to go with UCLA winning this game. I so, agree. I'm thinking – so my final four right now, USC, UCLA, Oregon State, and Baylor. That's now, my final four. <laughs> you convinced now, me. So now, I mean. Maddie. Let, let's see. Okay, so national championship. Now we're going to see an Oregon State versus Baylor matchup and a UCLA versus USC matchup, barring that this goes the way I'm predicting. Mm-hmm. Oregon State versus Baylor. All good I got things Baylor. Have, yeah, all good things have to come to an end. I see Baylor winning the game. Mm-hmm. It, they just have that power. They have that intensity. They have that push. That is going to be, in my opinion, that that, that would be a very good game. But I see Baylor coming away with it. Just mm-hmm. like the whole Michigan versus Loyola game a few years ago. Lo- Loyola had the lead early. M- Michigan came back and won that game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have Baylor winning that game. All good things. Eventually, have to come to an end. Then we have UCLA versus USC. Earlier this season, these teams have met, mm-hmm. and USC won Big by rivalry. one point at mm-hmm. UCLA. One point. 
So that's crazy. But I yeah. gotta, I, I gotta predict USC again. I mean, they just have this power. Evan Mobley is the key. He yeah. is the key, and mm-hmm. that is basically what's gonna happen. Now, potential national championship game: USC versus not Gonzaga. USC, USC Baylor. versus Baylor. That I think is gonna be a great game if it happens. Yeah. But- it could because go either Jared- way because both teams have their both teams are incredibly powerful. Yeah. It's just a matchup of two powerhouses, and it can go either yeah. way. Yeah, I think it, it can go either way. However, I do think Baylor, if that matchup happens, very close game. Maybe in but o- maybe I, in overtime. Potentially overtime. I do think Baylor though will come up with it because unlike Gonzaga, the difference between Baylor and Gonzaga is they've had that end of season experience against great opponents. They also have lost a few games, so they know how that feels. They can pull through in those moments. Mm-hmm. I just think Baylor might overpower them. They're they're, they're stronger. They're more skilled. Yeah. U- UCLA and USC and Oregon State are great stories, but I don't think either of those three teams are going to come up with it, specifically USC in that potential championship game. Yeah, I would have to go with Baylor. They're a very yeah. good team. I-, I thought, Especially when they were undefeated, I thought they should be the number one team because I thought the Big 12 was a much tougher schedule than the West Coast Conference. But I, I got to see Baylor as my champs. Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly, I'm not going to pick a winner for that, for the natty that we're predicting because it can go either way. Because yes. both teams can show up and they could say, we're the winners and this is why we're the winners and play an incredible game and take it. Yeah, it, it depends on the night, of course. Obvious. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. This was great. We killed it. Tune in next week to hear what we're talking about. You better believe we'll have final four predictions. We will probably we, we could be right. We could be wrong. If we're right, we're gonna party. And yeah. if we're wrong, we're gonna say sorry. You you better believe we'll be talking about opening day. You better believe we'll be talking about NHL over the next yeah. and you better believe we'll be talking about upcoming basketball the end of the season the final four and national championship all right thanks for listening see you next for listening see you next week